Hello everybody and welcome back. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Deborah Hatswell and you're listening to BBR Investigations. Tonight I'll be discussing the multiple reports of a hidden growling creature that I receive here at BBR. A creature unknown to us that stalks the embankments and the wooded areas here in the UK. The witnesses range from young children all the way through to adults and in each case we will find a clue to this creature's behaviour and its habits. This is something that walks as you walk and stops when you stop and growls so basic you can literally feel it. One man said that growl turned my guts to water. On the 8th of May 2023, I had an email from one of my listeners who contacted me after a strange experience at his home. We chatted in Messenger and he explained a little bit about the event, but as I was due to be in Macclesfield and he, that's where he lived, we met up for a coffee and a chat at Tegnose Country Park with another witness, Kane, who also lives close by and he has had his own experience at Tegnose. Our witness name is Kez and he said, after listening to your show, Deb, one night about 10 past one in the morning, my wife and I were in our living room in our home close to Tegnose Country Park. Like most properties, our house has a front window that looks out onto the road. Unfortunately, we'd suffered a flood some days earlier and we needed to replace the bedroom floor as part of the clean-up. So that night, we were planning on sleeping downstairs in the front room where we put a bed together. We were lying, listening to some podcasts that we enjoy, when we heard a really weird, metallic twanging noise that came from outside the house. We both said, what's that? Out loud. We sat up and listened, and about 15 seconds after that twanging noise, we heard a loud growl that came from underneath the window of the room we were in. That growl lasted for about 20 to 30 seconds. It was deep, and you could feel it as well as hear it. We both said, sod that, and went back to bed. The next day, I did check on YouTube, and I had a look for animal noises, and what we heard was the same as a big cat's growl, and it was concerning, as we realised it wasn't an average animal, and the growl echoed through the house. It really scared my wife. You could feel it come through the wall. Our dogs have also been acting really strange in the garden. Normally, they're happy to head out at the end of the garden when we open the door, but now they're really nervous when they're out there. You can see the behaviour's changed. They've been acting like this on and off since we last heard it, Deb. What was even stranger was the weird metallic clang. I have no idea what that was. I looked around the garden and I noticed a number of trees that had strange marks that looked like claw marks on them. Myself and kids have kept in touch and we're still trying to work out what that metallic twang was. I have heard this from other witnesses here in the UK and also worldwide. A noise they cannot identify is heard moments before they see or experience a cryptid creature. I asked kids if he'd ever experienced something strange other than this event. And he explained an experience to me that he had in his teens that made him realise there is far more to this world than he ever imagined. He said, when I was a teenager, I was hanging out with some friends not too far from the museum in Macclesfield. 
was about 13 at the time. There were quite a few of us out that night and we noticed a strange figure that was walking along the road. It wasn't an average human figure, but it was clearly female and she was made up of this static-like flicker that you could clearly see. You could see her features and strangely, she seemed to be about seven feet tall. Then we realised she was not walking on the modern road surface. She was about a foot, a foot and a half off the ground. And I presume that was the old road that she was walking on. As she walked off, we suddenly heard a high-pitched scream. I don't know if the scream came from her or someone who witnessed her as we did. When that screen hit the air, myself and my mates all legged it. She was dressed in what I would call Victorian clothing, and she was clearly of some standing. Around two weeks later, I decided to visit the museum to see if I could find out any information. In the museum, there were photographs of Marianne Brocklehurst, who was well known for her collection of art and artefacts stored there from Egypt, and I think that's who we saw, Deb. Not only did Kish share these events with me, he also showed me where to find information on Marianne. She was born in 1832 and she died in 1898. She was an English traveller and a collector of Egyptian antiquities. She supported a number of Egyptian excavations and she donated most of her collection to the museum. On her final trip, she witnessed the removal of a large quantity of recently removed mummies from Thebes and one of them was thrown overboard and some believe this is where Marianne's curse began. Marianne never married and she lived with her best friend Mary Booth until she passed away. I wonder how many other people have seen Marianne walking down that lane going to visit her collection or is she tied there because she took them from a tomb? I guess we'll never know. Not too far away from Kizzy's house, along the green corridor, there's a report of a growl made by a lady who lives close to Daisy Nook Country Park. And I wondered if these two areas were perhaps a territory of a cryptid or a British big cat, as both of these creatures have been reported in the area also. At a distance of just 23 miles, running along the edge of several small towns and villages, this route could be a vital feeding ground for any creature that roams there. We also have to take into account the number of reports of loud growls, screams and howls that have been reported by visitors and locals. In May 2022, I visited the area to meet up with Claire, who is a witness to the growl. So, in the village of Woodhouses, just outside Failsworth, there's an apparition known as the Crime Lake Boggart, or Peggy Lantern to the locals. Peggy is said to haunt the area around Crime Lake, which is formed in 1795. And it is said there are two cottages set beneath that murky lake. Peggy's Lantern and the Boggart are local tales told to children who dared to visit the Crime Lake area. As a child, our witness Claire would play there with others, and as they played, the children would hear things moving around in the woodland. Many years later, in her teens, Claire had an experience she's never forgotten. Close to Crime Lake and the Daisy Nook Nature Reserve is a small public house. Although no longer in use, its building remains the same. 
And this is where Claire experienced an awful growl from something concealed within the greenery. And Claire was happy for me to share this event with you all. She said, As a child, we used to come down here to play and we'd often hear strange noises in the bushes. We just put it down to the local legend of Peggy Lantern. We would all think it was just kids trying to scare us. And when you played near the canal, you would hear the bell or the lantern, and we'd all run for home. There would sometimes be rustling and sounds of movement in the bushes, but nothing you could see or make out. When I was around 19, I was on a date with a lad, and we went to the pub. I had the little phone box next to it. It was called the Crime View at that time. Now it's an Italian restaurant. If I remember correctly, I'd had maybe half a lager at the most, and we'd been playing pool. We left the pub and walked a little ways down the road where the trees and the bushes are. We are both standing there just chatting on the pavement close to the trees, when from nowhere came this mighty roar. I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't a growl or a roar. It was more a mixture of the two. It was nothing that myself or the lad recognised. It wasn't your usual wildlife. It wasn't a fox or a deer or anything like that. The roar was coming from a place that was level with us. But the land has a steep embankment here. So whatever growled was really, really tall or it was in one of the trees quite close to us. I can't describe just how deep this roar was. It was like a lion's roar, a very deep baritone roar. It was so shocking. We both just froze to the spot and I turned to the lad and I asked him, did you hear that? And he said, that big roar? Yeah, I did. And at that point, he suggested we go and wait in the old phone box and call my dad to come and get us. As I was ringing my dad, we were both holding onto the small glass partitions on the box in the hope of keeping that door shut tight. For all we didn't see anything that would have made the roar, it was so deep and so loud it had to be close. I've asked myself over and over the years if we really did hear it, and I know we did. People have asked me if it was just a person or a sick animal. I've never heard anything like that roar before or since. It was a deep, guttural roar. I've tried to recreate it over the years, but I cannot do it. The slope and the embankment's really steep, and it could not have been a person from the pub or any human playing a prank. When I got home, I told my mum and dad what had happened and my dad said, don't worry about that, it's probably nothing. But he did say not to go there again at night. I remember gripping that phone box door and holding on tight, which is pretty impossible to do. At this point, I asked our witness to tell me some more about the experiences that she'd had down here when she was a child. I wanted to know if the rustling noises she heard playing as a child had any connection to the experience close to the pub. And she explained, if my parents had known that I was playing down near Crime Lake at night, I would have been in big trouble. One particular day, I remember there was a group of us, a mix of girls and lads. I was about 10 years old then, and we were hearing these large rustling noises coming from the trees close to the path behind the fence. It was dark in there, and there wasn't much light within the trees. It was just this one noise, and we all set off running like rockets. All we could think about was the legend of Peggy, and that she was coming to get us. 
I know most towns have a legend that scares kids and Peggy Lantern was one we heard about the most back then. I did tell my parents what happened and I was grounded for being down near Crime Lake at that. When I was chatting with Claire, I realised she's had a long history of paranormal events. Like many of you out there, Claire suddenly knows things, she becomes privy to things. She knows that they're going to happen. It's something she's always experienced. Claire visited Winter Hill, an area I know well, and she went, she felt compelled to. So following her instincts, she came across the moor in a friend's car. She parked up in one of my favourite spots and was sitting chatting when she saw the apparition of a man walking towards Wilder's Wood. Now Wilder's Wood has a strange reputation. It's an area where the energy just feels off. My own dog won't enter there, regardless of any encouragement. And on two occasions when I've been riding, my horse almost booked at the exact same spot for no reason that I could see. That's the first time I realised that without being on a horse, I'd be easy bait up there on the hill. Claire said the man that she saw walked from one side of the hill and went into the woodland. He was clearly an apparition, as Claire could see through him. I did some digging and I found the remains of several old mines and some long ago derelict workers' cottages in the wood. I think the figure Claire saw was a miner and she watched him walk home, as he did no doubt every day. Many men died tragically in the mines and the moors have taken more than one weary traveller. In fact, not too far away is a memorial to a murder victim known as the Scotsman Stump. There's also a permanent memorial to a young man in the centre of Wilder's Ward. One thing of note is a report I received earlier this year from a wild camper who was staying in Wilder's Wood one night with a friend. When they awoke in the morning, there was a leg bone of an animal placed underneath the tent they were staying in. I believe Claire was picking up on this activity when she was there. She was relaxed and sometimes that's all it takes for us to tune into situations where we use our peripheral senses far more than we realise. I still visit the area once or twice a week and not a time goes by that I don't think of Claire and the figure that she saw. When Claire made this report, it was in 2022, and we've chatted backwards and forwards. And recently, Claire and I got together and we discussed not only the apparition that she saw on Winter Hill and, and the ground that she experienced at Daisy Nook, but also how hard it can be when you know something is going to happen before it does. It's not as easy as people think. Society teaches us that anything out of the ordinary is silly or we're accused of being dramatic. Myself and Claire had a really long chat and I asked Claire to make a note of any messages she might receive so that over time we can look back and see how many times she was correct. A few days after our chat, Claire messaged me and asked me if the name Wynn Stanley meant anything to me, my witnesses, or the hill itself. And honestly, I was stumped. It's not something I've ever heard before. But I did some research and I discovered that the name Wynn Stanley was the name of the pit where there was a disaster in 1860. Claire knows none of this. She's not from this side of the moor. The Wynn Stanley pit disaster claimed the lives of 13 men and boys. 
But that was not the only disaster. In many of the miles of tunnels and shafts that run under Winter Hill and spread out in all directions, hundreds of men and boys were killed in these disasters, some in horrific circumstances. Maybe the gentleman apparition Claire saw was a miner from these pits who was still walking home each evening, not knowing he passed away over 150 years ago. Now there's a tradition on the hill where people will take gingerbread and swap it for ale, as the laws then forbid any selling of the demon drink. So you would buy gingerbread and you would be given a free drink and that's how they got around it. In fact, after the trespass laws of 1890, most of us common folk were forbidden from walking the hills without permission. Many of my ancestors and many of yours joined those marches in order to claim our land back. I think we should do that again. I think tonight, when I finish this episode, I'm going to go up the hill. I'm going to leave our chaps some ale, some gingerbread and some flowers from my garden. Claire was astounded when I explained all this to her and the fact that she'd got Winstanley right. But it's cracking validation, isn't it? And if you're doing the same thing out there, I know a lady who actually knew about a robbery before it took place. And she knew so much about it that people thought she was the one who'd done the robbery. And it wasn't. It was just a very lucid dream that she had. And as you can imagine... I received reports like this all over. And I definitely received reports of strange guttural growls, howls, roaring screams. We also have reports of what I would call shadowing events, where a person is followed through the woodland by something unseen that's keeping pace with them as they walk. This reminded me of a case I worked in the southwest of the UK from the Live Alley. The witness in this case is a well-known UFO and unexplained investigator, Nick Hayes. I spoke with Nick a number of years ago, and I feel his case is a very good representation of the kind of reports we receive here in the UK. Once again, it would seem we have a creature that hides itself within the trees. It shadows and keeps up with any human walking there. It matches your footfalls and even stops when you stop. And for some unfortunate folk, this is usually followed by a roaring, bassy growl. Nick said, I had an experience in 1997 and it was unexplainable and it happened when I was living in the live alley. Myself and my then partner would often visit the woods at night. We used to go down there all the time. We witnessed some really strange things and we often saw orbs of light moving above the river as well as through the wooded area. Although we never experienced anything as scary as my encounter that evening when I was walking down to Cowley for band practice, it was in 1997 and I'm still trying to come to terms with it to this day. I was running a bit late for band practice, usually held it at my mate's house in Cowley. The journey involved getting a bus down to the bottom of Cowley Road and then walking quite a distance to his house which was roughly a 40-minute journey. I would sometimes walk down the nature reserved. It's named the Live Alley. It's a nice walk during the daytime, and I could get to my mate's house in about 20 minutes that way and save the bus fare and also get in a walk. 
This walk, this night, was along a small track that went downhill quite gradually. And eventually, a steep bank appears on both sides of you. And as you walk deeper into the valley, the banks get steeper. This particular night, it was already getting dark, but I decided to take the shortcut anyway. The actual live alley walk is only 15, 20 minutes long. And then you can get up onto the golf course and head down to Marsh Road where my mate lived. I was about 10 minutes into this walk at this point. It was quite dark, couldn't see very much, as the trees on either side of me were quite thick. They were blocking out what little light there was left in the sky. I suddenly became aware of something moving to my left, about 20 feet away from me. And whatever it was, it was walking parallel with me, perhaps halfway up the bank among the trees. I instantly got that fear and a feeling of complete dread. I suddenly stopped, and whatever's following me did an extra crunch as it took another step, and then it too was still. I started walking faster, and so did this thing. It was stalking me. To try and catch it out, I suddenly stopped, and this thing did a few more steps, as I think it didn't realise I'd stopped, because I'd stopped suddenly. It reminded me of a programme I saw on The Beast of Bray Road, and this almost other dog-like creature, because at that moment, it snarled. It made my hair stand up on my neck, and I got an instant fight-or-flight feeling. As I could tell, it was slightly in front of me, and the track it was on met the track I was on, just around the corner. I had no alternative but to walk in that direction, and even worse, I was heading where the walk met the golf course. That area is a natural choke point. It was really out of the way. I would have been on my own out there. And there's just me and no one else around. And I knew that something bad would happen if I carried on walking towards that golf course. I turned around and I ran as fast as I could back to Wood Farm and the safety of the built-up area. I didn't see the thing stalking me as it was dark. But even when a few distant streetlights above the valley lit up some trees, I couldn't make it thin out but this thing definitely sounded bipedal and the growl it made when I it realized I'd worked out it was stalking me was blood curdling and it freaked me out big time more than anything I have ever experienced I haven't dared go back there since and that was about 25 years ago now I told a few close mates about it but I haven't told anyone else the whole experience really scared me and to be quite honest, I wouldn't dare go down there at night by myself at all. Just thinking about it makes me a bit on edge. My body reacts to the fear of that night, even after all these years. It'd be great to hear from someone else who had a similar incident down there in the live alley. Well, in the same valley, there is a report that I received in 2021 from a gentleman who lives in the area. And he said the thing that I saw came from the trees. Our witness is called Tetrunde. When this experience happened, I was parked up on a slope about 10 feet above a road level. I was standing by my bike, facing west towards the river. And from that vantage point, it was pretty clear view out across the marshland. The thing I saw appeared to be really, really big. A kind of huge bloke. A huge thing that seemed to have come out from the trees. And he went over the top of the embankment until he was out of sight. 
it disappeared quickly over that embankment and went down the other side. I know it wasn't a human due to the sheer size and shape of it. And by the way, it moved. It really freaked me out. I just got my wits together sharpest and buggered off out of there. At the time I saw him cross that embankment, I tried to tell myself it was just some weird man or a poacher or something. Someone camping who was out without even a torch, tramping around in the darkness in the middle of nowhere. I just didn't want to think that a place I'd come to enjoy for sunsets and private ponderings had somehow become more sinister. As usual, I tried to rationalise it somehow in my mind, but nothing fits. Nothing seems rational. There just wouldn't be somebody wandering out of the trees after dark and going out onto the marshland out there. It just wouldn't happen. A few days later, I returned to the spot in broad daylight. And while I was there, I saw a person on a bicycle coming along the road at the same location. And I stuck my arm out and measured the size of this person on the bike between my fingers and then moved my arm up to where the figure would have been. And it was almost twice as tall as the person on the bike, which would be like seven or eight feet tall. That freaked me out. And I've not been back there since. I might be interested in the paranormal, but I certainly don't want to engage with the big scary thing lurking around that's hiding in the trees. You could easily say out of sight around there, but it's also interesting that there's supposed to be a lot of old disused salt mines in the area. It would be interesting to know where these mines were and maybe to try and see if any could be located. But I would bet they're all either on private land or blocked off now, so it might be hard to actually find any. Personally, I'm not going to go poking around there after dark anymore. Now, there's one experience that came into me from a witness, Ellis Taylor, and he said, Back in the early 90s, my brother was out walking his dogs in the fields near Wheatley, Oxfordshire. It was dusk in the summer, so quite late. And about 20 yards ahead of him on the track was this large black creature and it crossed the farm track ahead of him. He told me it moved and looked like a bear and it was far bigger than any badger. All of our witnesses tonight said the growl that they heard was so deep and baser they actually felt it as well as heard it. And I think that rules out most natural animals here in the UK. I've taken reports like this from most counties and the reports continue to come in. I was contacted recently by BBR member Len Penton, who shared his very strange experience with an animalistic noise. And Len said, I wonder if you'd like to hear about an experience of mine that happened about five or six years ago now. I lived just outside Southport in a built-up suburban area. On this particular night, I'd slept in the spare bedroom because my wife had to be up very, very early the next day and she didn't want to disturb me when she did. I took my phone to bed, which was only a short distance down the landing from our main bedroom. In the early hours, I woke up. Immediately, outside the bedroom window, I heard the most terrifying noise. I find it hard to describe even now. It was a mix between a bird's squawk and something more guttural, almost dog-like. I don't really know how to describe it. I've never heard anything like it before, or since, and I never wish to do so again. It was loud too, 
And what was certain was that it scared me so much that there was no way that I was going to pull those curtains back to see what was making that noise. I hear birds on the roof sometimes, and they can make odd sounds, but this was nothing like that, not at all. It genuinely scared me, and I'm still not sure why it scared me quite so much, but it did. Then, for some reason, my phone, which was at the side of the bed, started to ring my wife's phone, which was next to her in the other bedroom. This really didn't settle me. I somehow stopped it ringing, but almost immediately my phone rang and it showed that my wife's phone was now ringing me. At that moment, I thought logically that she had rung back, but on walking down the landing to where she was, I found that she hadn't rung me at all. She was awake by now, and I explained to her about the phones and also what had just occurred, reading the noise. She said she heard it outside of a window and it had scared her as well. Later that day, she told me that when she looked more carefully at her phone, she realised there'd been an audio message left from my phone and on it was that animal sound we'd both heard outside our windows. It disturbed her so much that she immediately deleted it. The incident disturbed her and she wouldn't talk about it anymore after that. Bizarrely, she now has almost no memory of the incident whatsoever, whilst the incident remains as clear as day in my mind. I would imagine that was terrifying for the couple. I mean, it's one thing to hear something outside, but what kind of paranormal horror can access your phone? I too would have been really disturbed by this. You know, there's one area in the UK that is known for persistent growling, roars heard by visitors and locals alike. And that's a tale I'd like to tell you from 2022. I had received a report from a witness who said, I contacted you as I've had a very strange experience. We were biking through Bourne Woods about 5pm when we stopped for a drink of water. We heard a very deep guttural growl that was coming from within the tree line. In the past, I've owned Tibetan Mastiff dogs, and they have a good growl on him. But this growl was so much louder and way more powerful. I'm sure I actually felt it in my chest. As you can probably guess, after hearing that, we got out of there ASAP. I don't know what it was, but I just thought I'd let you know. We never saw anything, but we definitely felt it. This is the second time I've investigated a case of growling from Bourne Woods. I received a report from a gentleman whose name was Simon and he heard some heavy footsteps and some growling in Shear in 1989 and he said My name is Simon and I grew up in South London and from an early age I loved to be outdoors. Some of my earliest memories are of camping in the garden with my dad in his old army tent eating beans cooked in a mess tin. I was always outdoors playing. It was a different world back in the 70s you could do. And at 16 I did a lot of wild camping. Once, one Saturday, three of us had planned to go bivy in a place called Shear in Guildford. But one, who I won't name, pulled out due to a rather excessive Friday night that we'd had. We were scouts, but we weren't angels. So the two of us remaining, me and a mate called Paul, were given a lift to a car park on the edge of the woodland by Paul's parents. And we walked into the area we planned to camp, only a couple of miles, in an area we'd been before, been there a few times. Everything was good. We wandered about, climbed a few trees and generally larked about as lads do. As the evening came on, we set up our bivvy, simple lean-to with a camo sheet over us. 
and we had some sides made from branches. We chose a spot that looked out over an open area and had a dense tree line behind and to the side. We watched rabbits in the open areas as it got dark, drank tea and ate all the food that we brought with us. During the night though, something changed. We had heard all the usual woodland sounds, including a screaming vixen making this ungodly sound that they seemed to enjoy, and it went silent, and the silence was palpable. After this came an experience that has troubled me for 30 years. What I heard was footsteps. I don't mean a delicate animal pitter-patter. I mean heavy, slow, deliberate steps in the woods behind us approaching. Next there came this smell, this rotten, smelly, stagnant water odour. So the two of us were lying there looking at each other with the look of what is going on. Over the next couple of hours this thing circled us in the pitch blackness. At one point we went to investigate with torches in hand, very brave I would think, and we found absolutely nothing. As soon as we moved it stopped only to start again when we were back in our shelter. After that little venture, there came the grunting and growling. And this, I can only describe as the most bowel-loosening sound I have ever heard. There is no one that will ever persuade me that this was made by a human or an animal. I don't know what it was, but it was something big, and I mean big. The hours from then until the hour we could find daylight with the longest of my entire life. The urge to run and not being able to was terrifying. This thing stayed 20, 30 feet away and neither of us saw it once. It just circled and breathed and walked and grunted and stunk. The next morning we packed up and went for my mum. They came and picked us up. In fact, we didn't really speak about it after that. We drifted apart and with a couple of months we stopped talking to each other for good. I now live in a different part of the country and I still camp out when I can, but I've never stopped thinking about that night in 1989. And as you can see from the cases I've shared here tonight, no two are the same. Each is unique and individual to the witness. What is common is the way the growl or the roar is described as nothing they've heard before or since. In Wales, there is a very famous case here in the UK known as the Beast of Ryada. This case features many of the similarities witnessed by others. Listen to the description of the kill and the way the creature circled its prey before leaving. The monster of Ryada terrorised mid-Wales from September through December of 1988. Now that mystery has never been solved, although the evidence it seems is clear. During those months, something was slaughtering Welsh animals and livestock at night. Most people put the problem down to a big cat. The problem in this case is that the monster did not kill in the way that a cat would kill. Large cats will invariably grab you know, around the throat or the larynx and they'll tear out, making an asphyxiating death. They leave distinct puncture marks. Domestic dogs are messy killers, especially if there's more than one of them. They're like wolves, they tear flesh and spread blood and guts around the scene. None of these things were found in this case. By comparison, 
The animals killed during this time were slaughtered by a single deep bite to the sternum. And stranger still, the animals were surrounded by circular tracks of flattened grass, as if a very large predator had circled the animal several times before killing it. These tracks led off into the distance, and when they were followed, they led to the banks of a nearby river. And this led some people to speculate it might be a work of a river monster. Hunting dogs were brought in, but they were unable to trail any scent very far. There were no paw prints or any other evidence left around the scene. And strangest of all was that none of the animals had been eaten. They were killed and their bodies were abandoned, seemingly untouched other than for that original fatal injury. This is definitely not the work of a normal predator. A predator, after all, is out for a meal. Our next case may shine a little light on the description of the creature that these people are encountering. A witness got in touch with me after hearing unearthly guttural sounds and he said, Hi Deb, I contacted you about an experience I had many years ago. I'm a 57-year-old musician based in Gloucestershire. I was watching a programme about strange creatures in the UK and I have one incident like that that I'd like to report. In 1989, me and a friend were camping near the sea just outside of Brixham, Devon. More specifically, we camped at an area called Man Sands. On a late August evening during that trip, we were walking on the gravel track, which had a tall, steep embankment on either side, which also had barbed wire fencing. And as we walked, we became aware of the sound of hooves like that of a horse. As the noise of the hooves came closer, even though it was dark, we were aware that whatever it was, it was big. The creature must have jumped the fence and the embankment and came crashing down onto the gravel and all we could see were red eyes. I estimate by the eyes that it was about four and a half feet tall. For half a minute, there was a standoff between us and it and I decided to throw a stone at it, so that's what I did. Then it made some unearthly guttural sounds and it started to approach us. At that point, we ran for our lives, took a three-mile detour back to our tents for fear of it coming across it again. For years afterwards, I was convinced it must have been a big cat, but now I'm not sure. Tonight, I'd like to finish with a case that happened not too far from my home, a place lots of Brits flock to in spring and summer. Also a place where we receive dog-like creatures, growls and unusual kills, not too far from Lampenton, Southport, and that area is Halewood. And this report came in from James, and it happened to him in 1983. James said, At the time this happened, I was around 11 years old, and it took place 83-84. I live in Liverpool, UK, and I grew up in a place called Halewood. There's a fairly large woodland that's intersected by a disused railway line. As far back as I can recall, the railway line's been out of use. We played there a lot as kids. The woods were a creepy place, but lots of us would regularly frequent them. Climbing trees, riding bikes, you know, just doing normal kid stuff. In some parts of the wood, the trees grew very closely together and some were very thick, making it hard to manoeuvre through them or even enter into them in some places. We were out looking for flint shards to make some spears with. 
The railway was a place that had lots of flint. We ended up in what I believe to be a clearing amongst giant hogweed. It's very odd. We didn't get the normal burns that you get from the sap. We were looking on the ground for suitable shards or stones that we could easily nap. And we were just concentrating on that. As we were walking through and talking, we suddenly heard an awful growl. A very deep, roughened, human-like growl. It didn't matter where we looked. We were completely surrounded by dense vegetation and we couldn't make anything or anyone out. It could have been a person, I guess. I don't think it was, though. And it did stand out as really weird. But it was such a strange sound. We ran as fast as we could. We felt at the time like we were running for our lives. I think I just broke through the greenery, went down the hill to the open fields and kept running. And James. We've heard a lot tonight of growling and snarling and bassy noises. It's a similar pattern, isn't it, that weaves its way through all of them. And there are many patterns like this withheld within those case files. And I will be doing my best to bring them to you. I'd like to thank all of our witnesses who share their experiences with us and everybody who visits the chat and tunes in each week. It is not easy making this kind of report and it certainly stays with you throughout life. We have the same questions that any witness to a creature would have. You know, what is it? Is it dangerous? Am I safe? Am I going to see it again? Sadly, I don't ask an answer for them. So I dare on the side of caution and leave those woodlands alone. If you're in there and it feels wrong, just leave. I mean, in reality, this is easier said than done, isn't it? In a lot of these cases, you word the word suddenly. Especially for the people who hear these growls around their home. How do you not visit there? I don't know. But there's enough of us that we can club together and try and search for some answers, isn't there? I will be back next week with some amazing stories from the BBR case files. Until then, enjoy yourselves. Good night, everyone.